It is so great to be here at um, Greater Life Church. There's a church down the street from my house that we pass every time we head west on 98 called River of Life Church. The river has uh, dried up. The doors have been closed. There's not a river nor a life. Down the road from there is this World Outreach Gospel Center. They're running three people, haven't given a dollar to missions in years. They lost the reason for their name. As the superintendent of this great state, proud spiritual parents of these people right down front, I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be called greater life, you better believe and act like you have greater life. That we believe in the double portion of Elisha that comes and that we can believe there are some amazing things that are about to happen. It is an amazing privilege for Susan and I to be here. We preach in a different church every week and none more exciting and more emotional than this. I walked this property with your pastor before anything was here. He told me all the plans and I encouraged him and thought, that will be the day. <laughs> and this is the day. Acts 1 and 2 tells us the Holy Spirit was given to make us better. Better husbands, better fathers, better wives, better daughters, better workers, better. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But most of all, the Holy Spirit was given to us in this new form 2,000 years ago to make us better witnesses. Acts 1.8, and you shall be witnesses after the Spirit comes upon you. We understand today that the Holy Spirit baptism, this Pentecostal life, is not about a Sunday morning experience. It's about an everyday lifestyle that makes a difference in other people's lives. Chapter, Acts chapter 3 is our text today. We'll be wor working through it as, as we move through, not just reading it now and moving, but as verse by verse. And today in this passage, we'll see two of the disciples, Peter and John, who were in the upper room at Pentecost when the Spirit filled them and changed their life. But now, days, weeks, months later, their life is become ordinary. How many of you understand most of our life is ordinary days? It's, it's the same thing. We have routines. The routines help us. I, I get up early in the morning and, and we have our, our, our water and the word. That's our spiritual discipline. We drink water every morning and read God's word first and then God's great gift of coffee and newspapers. And so I, I'm addicted and I don't want deliverance. So The routines and have you ever gone someplace to work or something you normally go and and halfway through that you didn't even realize how you got there it's so normal that you just kind of go through this they talk about the brains in and, and, and how the grooves and it moves on and all those kind of things and we understand that most of life is ordinary say ordinary and that's what we have right here acts chapter 3 verse 1 says this one day what day what one day it wasn't a sabbath it wasn't this Sunday morning, it wasn't a holiday, it wasn't a special day, it was one ordinary day. Say ordinary. ordinary. They did not wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made, he's going to do a miracle in our midst. It was just an ordinary day. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple church at the time of prayer, which in that day was three o'clock in the afternoon, afternoon prayer. 
So you have this picture that this is something that happened every day in Peter and John's life, and they have been doing this for a long time, and, and, and I am sure that on their way to church, this walking, just like we drive and we talk while we're going, there was all kinds of conversations, none of which, I believe, none of which is gonna talk about their next experience. Verse two says it like this. Now, when a man was lame from birth, lame from birth means he never, say never, walked. I am the grand parent, we are, of two kids. Really cool. But what's really, really cool is they have given us five grandkids. And, and I, was, I, I was at, I think, all five of their first steps. And if I wasn't, I'm, I'm lying and telling them I saw them walk first. So it's, it's a thing. But I do remember them trying to walk and 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 and, and several of them I they, they live by us and and I would this is I had Friday off and come on you got to walk and I try I push them they fall I pick them up it, it, I, I wanted to see those first steps any any parent grandparent with me the the, the excitement and, and that time that they began to take the first steps man we're doing videos we're shooting we're letting everybody know Reagan walked McKinley took her first steps I was there these parents never saw this man ever take his first steps coach my son and my daughter baseball and softball and I've watched sitting on my little jug of balls there and with the lid and coaching and Derek hits the ball down the third baseline and I I saw him go to first and take the turn just like we told him and slid head first in the second save this man never rounded first base and slid head first into second base I remember the joy of watching my son walk down to be married. I experienced the joy of escorting my daughter down to be married. These parents never had the joy of any of those experiences. He was lame from birth. He never walked. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put when? No, get that. Every day. 365 days a year. He's now a man in the understanding there, a minimum of 16, very likely 21 or older. Seven, eight, 10,000 days of being carried, say carried, to beg. That's his existence. And on this day, what day? This day, Peter and John's one day intersects with the lame man's every day and something amazing greater was about to happen. You guys haven't caught it yet. Here's what I want you to catch. First, if you got those note cards ready, go. Number one, good things happen on the road to prayer. Or what I wrote down this morning, I like this even better than the notes I have up there. Good things happen when you do the right things. The world says it like this. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Why not God's people? Let's be at the right place at the right time, which is always God's time when he wants to do something in our midst. They were doing the right things. They were on their way to church. And what we understand is intentionality creates opportunity. Isn't it amazing how lucky some people are who work harder than everybody else? Things just seem to happen for them. I don't understand it. Maybe it's because they're in the right place doing the right things. 
And when you do that enough, all of a sudden, God's window of opportunity opens up. What if? Someone hadn't told me about this Pepsi truck driver in South Carolina, right? And what if when I asked him point blank, what makes you think you can do this at Concord Assembly? That one day changed our lives. Guys, catch this. It changed your lives. That's the result of being at the right place at the right time or better, doing the right things every day, say every day, so that you can be in the spot that God wants you to be so that when he said this is the moment you're ready to go. I want you to know that you have to be ready to do that which is best, not just what is good. One day, Peter and John intersects with the lame man every day. Verse 3, and when the lame man saw Peter and John about to enter... He's seated at the gate. It's on a little bit of a hill. If you've been there, they're walking up. He sees them. He hears them. And he does what every lame person does. And he sticks out his hand and says, alms, alms for the poor. How many times a day do we drive down a street, an intersection, come off the ramp, and at the end of the ramp, at the, corner of the, at the corner of the intersection, is somebody with a cardboard sign. Different words, but they all say the same thing. Help, hungry, veteran, mama, can you help us today, right? All of them hoping that somebody will stop, catch eye contact, and give them something. So in a story, sometimes as I'm reading the Bible, I, I love to play one of the characters. It, it helps me get into that thing. And so today I'm going to ask all of you to be one of the characters, the same character. I want you to be the lame man. Oh, you say you want to be Peter. I'm Peter today. So you, so, 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 so for the next few, few minutes, you're going to be Peter. I mean, you're going to be the lame man. And, and so here we come. We're coming down the road. You're sitting down there. You're minding your own business, waiting for people to come. You're at the temple because you hope believers are more generous than non-believers. That's another whole side story. And you're walking down and you see me and John coming and you stick out your hand, stick out your hand and you say, alms. Have you got anything to spare? You understand. Keep your hand out there just for a moment. We have this understanding, and he asked them for money. Put your hand down. So far in this story, there is nothing different than what happened every other day. Peter and John have walked this way many times. The lame man has been there every day, and nothing has ever happened. You know, they tell us that insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting to get different results until, unless God's in the midst. So this lame man doing the same thing he's always done, seen Peter and John walk by and done nothing. They may have said, bless you, son, but, but there's nothing in this story that says Peter and John has ever, say ever, given him anything. And on this day, things change. Here goes the verse. Put your hands out. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. Now, you've got a problem. Your first name? Rita. Rita. 
because you're so intent watching me. I love it. And all the rest of you are looking at me with your hands up. Put your head down, though. Hands up, head down. Peter would have never said, look at me, if they were already looking at him. You only say, look at me, when you've got a teenager, a young person, a, a mom and dad, a, somebody who's bored, bored out there. Hey, in the third row, fourth, look at me. Peter and John wanted their, his attention. So let's go back in the story. You're, you're the lame man. You're about ready to put your head down, hand out. Hey, preachers, got anything for us today? And Peter now says, look at me. And all of a sudden, all the heads are up. And the Bible says the lame man at that time looked up expecting, say expecting, to receive. Are you with me? Expectancy is number two. It's the beginning of the miracle. How did I say it? I don't know what I did, guys, but it's up there. You have a point there someplace for them. A little expectancy goes a long way. This lame man had, had asked for money for so long from so many people and had gotten such little amount. He is, he's gotten it or he wouldn't have been there. And all of a sudden, when somebody calls on him, he lifts his attention, expecting to receive. Now, here's, what the rea- here's, here's a little thing I'll help you with. Marriage in education, at jobs, at homes. This is the level of reality. This is where we live. This is where we move when we lift our heads expecting to receive. Every woman married a man expecting he would change into what she wanted him to be. (laughs) Every man married a woman expecting she would never change. Truth. And the difference between our reality and our expectation is frustration. And most people live in frustration because our expectations are never being met. Because people were never meant to meet all of your expectations. It is only through the power of Jesus Christ. Though we're here to help, we have to put our hopes and our expectations in Jesus Christ. That's a separate message. Expectations. The lame man's not looking up. You don't put your hand up, but look up. Expecting to receive. Can you, your eye, Susan, she does it all. Her eyebrows just went up. You know, the eyes get a little bigger. Can you picture for a moment with, I got four granddaughters, one grandson, right? Still making sure the heavens changed. And the, the two littlest ones live with our daughter and son-in-law in an apartment above us. And so every once in a while, a lot of times, they come downstairs and our littlest one, McKinley, loves to eat. She loves food. She's not oh, perfect size, all that kind of stuff, but she just, she enjoys food. I eat food to keep going. It doesn't matter, steak, burger, I, it, it all about tastes the same to me. I've ruined my taste buds. I just want to have energy to keep going. She enjoys it. And she comes down and the first thing she does is she walks to the counter and her hand goes up. Ay, 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 ay. She can't talk. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> so Poppy goes to her, picks her up and teases her and doesn't give her a thing. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Poppy does what? He gives her whatever she sees, even though mom and dad don't like it. I don't care. She's with Poppy. You don't want her to eat. Keep her upstairs, you stingy parents. 
Do you know why grandparents and grandkids get along so well? We have a same common enemy. <laughs> Their parents are kids. Doug Clay, I stole that. I stole that. But I, but I will say, how many of you have preteens or teenagers? And don't raise your hand, don't nod, sit stoic. How many of you are in a place that you're just about ready to kill those kids? Let me give you a word of advice. My grandkids are God's reward for me not killing my son and my daughter when they were teenagers and they deserve to die. Hang in there, they'll get by it, you'll get by it, and maybe they'll give you grandkids. I've lost my way. Back to the, the layman's out there expecting to receive. Well, oh, yeah, you got that hope? What does the Bible say? Let's go back there, guys. I know I'm bouncing all over the place. Let's go to verse 6. Just before I go, let me just say, just, just, just the thought. Is it possible that some of us are not receiving from God anymore because we have stopped expecting it? Is it possible that God is just waiting to pour out his double portion on us in 22 for those who are expecting. Can I just give you an encouragement today, greater life? Expect great things. He will never disappoint you. Just didn't cost you no extra offering for that one. Hands are out. Put your hands out. Expecting to receive. In verse 6, Peter and says, sorry, Michael. I got nothing. <laughs> now, we're in church. Put your hands down. We're in church, so be careful what you say. What would be the first thought that came through your mind if you were the beggar who had no expectations, but Peter yells at you, look at me, and they got raised expectations. And what would you do? Well, be careful what you say. You're in church. <laughs> How many would at least say, maybe something like, you bum? I would have been better off with no expectation. Is it possible one of the reasons the world has stopped coming to church is because we kept saying what we're going to do and we've never come through? Is it possible that we talk about Jesus being the answer and the only way they're going to experience the answer of Jesus is through the body of Christ and we have ignored them? Is it possible that America is where it is today, not because of sin, though obviously that's true, but because the church stopped being the church years ago? Which is why we need a greater life church in this area to change its community and spread this hope. Silver and gold have I none. And for that split second, you could see the beggar's hand come down, shoulders droop, and head drop. Once again, the church has let me down. But with almost without a breath, Peter goes on, but what I have, I give you. 
You know the end of the story. I'll get there in a moment. The beggar went that day, was carried that day, expecting to receive just enough coins and enough money, enough denarii, just so he could eat that day. But Peter and John, when he said, I don't have silver and gold, but I have something more new that Pentecost had changed them. And Pentecost said, I can touch this man. And in the name of Jesus, we're ahead of ourselves. But you have to begin to walk through this community. You have to begin to drive around this community. You have to begin to move into the neighborhoods and your prayer walks and all that we are doing as we begin to believe God wants to open up the heavens, not to give us more campuses, not to give us more money, not to give us more buildings. Oh, I love all of those things, but to give us more people who are lost and on their way to hell that will stop and say, my God, help me. And they get their way going to the gates of heaven. That's what we have. You see, number three on your notes, my last point is this. Miracles happen when you give what you got. I know English teachers, that's not correct, but it preaches better. Give what you got. That prophet you were talking about, Elisha, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story about Elisha. Elisha, as pastor already said, is this prophet and, and the wannabe prophets, the students, the master commission, the, the school of ministry people here. We, in that day, schooling wasn't online or in a, it, they followed him. So Elisha the prophet has his school of little prophets and they're walking through this community and while they're walking through with this, here's the prophet and all of us, a widow, say widow, a preacher's widow, mama, Unlike this church, who was left alone, she had two sons, almost the same, isn't it? And this preacher's widow yells out, hey, man of God, my husband used to be with you and you talked really big about how you were always going to take care of us. But when my husband died, you left us and I'm here today and the debtors are coming to take my two boys because I can't pay my bills. That's the story. Read it in 2 Kings 4. Elisha, Rick Ross, probably would have put my head down and hurried off, trying to ignore her and hoping she would go away. And I think that's what the little prophet said. Hey, let's just keep going, Elisha. And he said, no, no, no. She's right. We have a responsibility to help her. We're the church. So Elisha calls her over. Mama Bird. What do you have in your house? And she says, the Bible says, she says, nothing. Isn't that always our first response? God calls Moses. I can't talk. Call Aaron. I mean, all, all the way through. I don't have time to go through this. But, but the, the widow, the preacher's widow said nothing. And then she stopped for a moment because being the wife of a preacher all those times, she knew she couldn't lie. She said, except a little bit of oil. But what is that among all my needs? You got the picture? The Elisha obviously, how many businessmen do I have in the house? Successful businessmen. This will make no sense to you right here. Elisha, the preacher, says to the widow, tell your boys to go get empty jars. Now that's about as dumb as you can get. What value is there in empty jars? None, except when God's in the midst. She said, that's stupid. 
hey, boys, you're about to be sold. I'm about to lose everything. What do we have to lose? Go get empty jars. Mama, that doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't. Do what the man says. They now go to the knock on the door. Neighbor Moises, my mom sent me to get your empty jars because we're about to be sold into slavery. And Moises, who has good business sense, says, let me help you. I have a better plan. Ask for my leftover oil. And if everybody gives you a little bit of excess oil, you can put all the little bit together and maybe you'll have enough because that's a good business sense. They said, yeah, we got that. We thought that ourselves. But the man said, empty jars. So they go to the neighbor and they bring empty jars. If you can imagine now, empty jars on this platform. All, and she takes a little boy and the and man of God says, pour that little bit of oil. These are 20 gallon. If you go in the whole study, they're ceremonial Big time stuff. She starts pouring, and in the natural, that little bit of oil should have been gone in seconds. To her amazement, the oil kept pouring. And she now waits long, and this jar is about to be full, and she has a decision to make. Do I stop it to move to the next one and risk the flow's not going again? Or do I do what Rick does all the time with milk when Susan's not looking? Well, let's just go to the next jar. <laughs> and so without stopping, he now, one jar, two jars, three jars. The boys kept bringing in. They're going all through the community. And they've been everywhere. And the last one, she said, boys, boys, we need another empty jar. There's no more jars in the community. And the Bible said at that moment, the oil stopped. And the man of God said, God will always provide. Go and sell the oil, pay your debts, and continue to worship God. All because she gave what she had. Little side note, is it possible that across this country and around this world, this is superintendent talk, I'm seeing it, that we in Pentecost have been so full of ourselves and everything we've had that we didn't even realize the oil stopped that the moment you think you have what you need, the oil stops. And friends, the moment we think we can do it without him, that anointing. The Bible says one day Samson went out and shook himself and the anointing had gone. All because she gave what she had. One more story. It's my favorite story in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. Jesus is teaching. I love teaching. I, love, yeah, I, I live my life to teach the word of God. And, and the Bible said that they had been there with him all day. Say all day. And obviously at the end of an all day, no breaks. They were tired and hungry. R.I.V., the Ross International Version. Go out and get it. It's, it's worth buying. It doesn't exist, but it's, it's in my head. The RIV says, and Jesus pulled the disciples together and said, would you go down to the nearest McDonald's and buy all these people some fish sandwiches? <laughs> and the disciples said, you're in the desert. There's no McDonald's here. And if there was, we don't have enough money to buy for all these people. It would be impossible. And, and you could almost see the twinkle in Jesus's eye. Impossible, huh? Tell you what, first, get the people organized into groups. We believe there was 20, over 20,000, 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the kids. They were never counted in, in the New Testament, the Old Testament. They, 
over 20,000 people, all of them hungry, all of them wanting to be close to Jesus. And the first miracle was they all went into little groups so they could serve them. Then after they get organized, he calls the disciples and he says, go ask the people for what they could share to feed. And you could see them all going out. Do you have anything? And everybody, no, 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 no. You could, you could almost see, you could almost see Peter, big mouth, Rick Ross, Andrew Bird, Peter. We have that anointing, don't we? Yeah. Come and you're a young man, you're big, but imagine a little boy. I believe a little chubby boy. I'll get to that in a moment. Hey, do you have anything for Jesus? You know, almost intimidating. No, 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 no. And one by one. But Andrew comes. Andrew's the bringer. You want an anointed on you? Ask for the anointed of Andrew to be able to bring people to Jesus. Every time you see Andrew, he's bringing his brother, somebody. And, and all of a sudden, Andrew comes and says, son, I just got this sense that there's something you have that Jesus could use. And the little boy finally looks up and says, open his cloak. My mama packed me a little lunch. You see, this boy's mama never let him go anywhere without a little lunch. He always had something that he eats. Hence, I think, a little chubby boy. It's just a crazy mind. Don't get up there because it gets messed up. But it's, so, so, the, so, so the little boy opens his cloak and takes out his little bag of five fish, five loaves, two fish. Got me? And then he says, this is the RIV. It's not in your Bibles, but it's in my RIV Bible. I knew if I gave this to you, I looked around, it would never come back. And I'm hungry. And I don't want to lose what I have. Keep that in mind. And Andrew says, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen. But I've been around Jesus enough to know if you're willing to give what you got. Little boy comes. This little boy, Jesus is standing there and says, son, Andrew tells me you have something. And my mama packed me this lunch. Yeah. I'm really hungry, Jesus. It's okay, son. Can I give it to my father? It's yours. The Bible says Jesus took it. He broke it. He blessed it. And he began to give it to the disciples who began to give it to the people. And by the end of the day, the Bible says, say Bible. Not Rick Ross. The Bible says everybody ate all they wanted. And because God is never a God of waste, he said, pick up the baskets, pick up all the leftover. And there were 12 baskets. How many? And you've all heard Andrew and other preachers say this. They're all wrong. I did it too. There was one basket for each of the disciples because they were in the leadership. Baloney, they hadn't done a thing. They didn't deserve nothing. But here's what happened. Because of their unbelief, Jesus made them pick it up and say, here we go. But son, these disciples are each going to carry this basket of leftover food to your mama. And the disciples had to learn a lesson by taking the basket. And if they had just done what they were asked to do. How many times have we missed a blessing and somebody else got it? Because we weren't willing to give what we've got. Blessing is always on the other side of obedience. It's not just money. It's about our gifts to serve. It's about a smile. 
It's about people who out of this church have served us for the last two days as we were here all day yesterday and brought me things. But the biggest smile, say, here, pastor, is there anything else we can get you? I'm sitting down front early before, and they multiple, can we get you? You want some water? Can the spirit of serving is in the house. Why do I not believe in fundraising? Because the Bible teaches us if we all give of what we have, if we all move in the obedience of generosity, he will meet every need. Musicians come. I'm here to tell you this story is just filled with the miracles that God wants to do at greater life. But the end of the story is not 12 basketfuls of the little boy and his mama being rewarded. But you have to go on now to verse 8. He jumps to his feet, the lame man, and he began to walk. Let me go back. Peter and John extended their hands, said, In the name of silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. So the young man, the lame man, begins to walk, and he moves with them to the temple court. And here's what the Bible says, walking and leaping, jumping and praising God, giving God thanks for what had happened. And here's the result of what happens when greater life moves into this abundance of generosity. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit, used to. They recognized the man who used to be in bondage. They recognized the people who used to be lost, who have now come and been free at greater life. And all of a sudden, their minds begin to move. They were filled with wonder, amazement at what had happened. And the man held on to Peter and John. And all the people say all. It came through this whole passage. All, every, astonished and came running to them. When God does the miracles in the house, people come to see that's what we believe in the assemblies of God. We just don't have a better worship team. We don't just have better disciples. We have the power of the Holy Spirit who's activated in our life every day of our life. And when we operate in this anointing, when we operate in this, this blessing, the gift that God has given us, we begin to see the miracles every day of our life. I want everybody to stand in this room. We're going to sing a chorus. The pastor's going to be back here. But I, I don't want to miss this opportunity that someone in the house, every head is bowed. No one's looking around. Someone in this house... You're frustrated. You've not received. You're disappointed. Your head's down. Your shoulders are stooped. You have no more expectancy. But Jesus, not Rick, Jesus is in the house. He's always been here. You just have missed him as he passed by. And right where you are, you say, Rick, if what you're saying is true and God loves me this much and this church loves me this much and this I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Right where you are, every, no one's looking around. You'll just lift your head up and you look at me and just kind of give me a little, raise your hand and say, Rick, that's me. Will you remember me in prayer? I'm going to have a word of prayer for you. Thank you. Rick, that's me. Thank you. You're here today. You say, I, I'm, I'm not bringing it. I'm, yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Who else? You want to be right with Jesus Christ. Thank you, sir. 
don't let the moment pass you by. I've got another question. You're a believer. Jesus is your savior. He's forgiven you, but you haven't made him Lord. And that is a second step. Salvation is instantaneous. You say, forgive me, he forgives. But sanctification, this process of becoming like him, of moving into lordship. See, a lot of people say no to Jesus, but you can't say no to your Lord because the Lord is in control of our life. And you're a Christian, but you're holding on to so many things. And you say, Rick, today I'm ready to let go and trust God with everything I have. You're right here and that's where you are. Just raise your hand and say, Rick, that's me. Yes, yes. Heads nodding. Hands, yes. All over this place. It's that move into fullness of what God has. Father, right now, over this greater life church, we're asking you to do what you've done before. It's not new. It's not because we're here. It is because you are a new, fresh moment, God. New, fresh anointing every day. Grace and mercies and excitement comes when we turn ourselves to you. And I'm praying for these who said yes to your saviorship. They want to make Jesus you, their Savior, I pray for those who say yes to your Lordship, that we move into full obedience. Lord, Lord, that we would receive the blessings pressed down, shaken together, and running over, which means more for others, because your blessing is never lost. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, sing it out. Come on. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's gate. resonates. Pastor Rick mentioned that when the widow had the oil, she never stopped pouring until the work was done. And the other thing that's interesting about that story is the prophet said, take you and your sons and go in that room. Why? Because this miracle is for you. God's going to meet your need. Let's shut out all the voices, the school of prophets that was there. Let's just move along. We don't need to take our time with that one. Let's shut out all the voices and all the negativity and all the doubters because there needs to be a singular voice that experiences the miracle and sees God's provision. And so that miracle was for that widow and her sons. She never stopped pouring. And the act of tipping something over is putting it off balance. You have to hold it in place in order to keep it at that angle. 
And some of you guys have been knocked off balance in life. The enemy snuck up on you or whatever you want to call it and you, you, you've been rattled. Friend, I want to tell you, trust God to hold you in place and to experience the miracle that he's bringing to you. That story is all about vessels. It's all about obedience. But I want you to know that even in the privacy of your room and your own home, he sees your need and he can and will meet your need. So listen to me. The shame that you have experienced, the lie that you have believed that says, I'm the only one facing this. It's simply a lie. Men, you're struggling with something. Women, you're struggling with something. Students, you're struggling with something. You are not the only one, and God is not surprised and going, oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. God is ready and willing to intervene on your behalf, but it takes a humility that says, I need God. I need God to intervene. So if you need God to intervene, some of you have already raised your hand for salvation. God bless you. Welcome to the family. Some of you raised your hand for rededication and committing your life to the Lord. God bless you. I don't think God's done yet. This story about the lame man, what an amazing story. He showed up lame and in his circumstances of every day, but he went home walking, leaping, praising God. You showed up this morning in an everyday circumstance maybe this morning, but you can leave different change from the inside out. That's the power of the Holy Ghost at work within you. Amen? Wave at me if you need a breakthrough today. Right now. Wave at me. I don't care what it is. You need a breakthrough. Wave at me right now. Say, I, I'm putting my hand up because only God, only God. Now, where you're at and in your room, I want you to believe with me. Lord Jesus, keep that hand up. Lord Jesus, you see the hands, but more than that, you see the heart, you see the need. And we declare in the mighty name of Jesus that the voice of the enemy is silent, that his plans are canceled. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us with a boldness that the power that comes upon us, we can walk through in victory today. Lord, make this people be an army ready to fight in this spiritual warfare, God. Make us be a beacon of light on this hill here on 51. You are far from done with us. And Lord, I pray that the people here today would be victorious into this moment so we can do what you've called us to do. So we're moving on ever to greater things. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing one more time. I encourage you. Sometimes we get a little timid about singing. We don't sing that good. That's why you don't have mics and they do. Amen. So you can sing as loud as you want. I matter, matter of fact, I encourage you. I know, I know some of y'all. Y'all been at concerts screaming and crying out. Ah! Can we sing for the sake of the, of the Lord? This morning, can we raise our voices as a mighty battle cry, as an anthem of victory right now? Let's end it right there. Come on, raise your voice and worship. Come on, greater life. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead.
so much for your blessing, for your word. That God, every time we come into this house, we learn something new. Refresh us, oh God. May our Monday be even better than our Sunday. And may we walk in anointing in your favor through this week. And may any obstacle that we encounter, may it fall before us by the power of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.